the free download from Delancey Eden Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the bank St Sampson's in the Channel Islands of Guernsey to contact us or find out more information about us. Please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. great to be here today, isn't it? Great to be in this place, to be in the presence of God and to worship him and to be with one another. Um, don't you just love Sundays? Precisely, Jay, that is why you're here, isn't it? Excellent, just to encourage me. <laughs> Best day of the week, that's it, exactly, it's great. I was thinking of the uh, question, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? I suppose a Christian is somebody who has a set of beliefs, don't they? Belief in Jesus Christ and what he's done, and um, that's what we're about. But it's also trying to live out those beliefs, isn't it, every day, to think about what it means to be a Christian and a Jesus follower. And if you're like me, I think the the latter part of that is the hardest thing. It's kind of like easier to accept Christ and what he's done and, and to know that I am saved in that way, but then to actually live out the calling of being a disciple of Jesus is sometimes the trickier thing to do because we're not perfect, are we? You just look at the person next to you. They're not perfect. We're not perfect people. Um, and, you know, we've probably all experienced that kind of person and it might have even been us, the Christian, who rather than shining the light out and attracting people to Christ are repelling people. Um, hopefully that's not us, but maybe we've done that before. Because it's difficult. It's not always easy to live out this Christian life and this calling. But come to Jesus and you won't have any problems is, of course, not the mantra that we hold to. It's not true, is it? Um, we know that as Christians we can suffer too difficulties and struggles because struggles and difficulties don't discriminate against anybody. Um, they come to everybody regardless of beliefs and we are no different as Christians and it can be tricky and it can be difficult. And that is why this book of James is so important to us. We've been looking at the book of James and now and again we've, we've had different things going on and we've just left it to one side. But we come to the end of this book of James today, this letter that James wrote to the people. And let's remind ourselves what's going on here. God's people suffering, having difficulty. It's hard. They're under persecution. There's trial. There's tribulation. It's hard. It's hard work. And James is writing to them to remind them to hold fast to what they know is true and to live out the calling in their life. Let's remind ourselves a little bit of what we've been looking at. We started off with looking at the idea of being authentic in our, in our walk with God and, and looking to God for his wisdom rather than the earthly wisdom. We looked at the idea of temptation and how sometimes we can you know, be bombarded with temptation but actually um, you know, we need to stand strong in that time and uh, not feed those things that we are tempted by. We looked at um, favoritism and partiality and not having um, favourites, as it were, but the idea that mercy triumphs over judgment. We looked at faith in action 
a genuine faith, not a, a useless faith, not a dead faith, not a head faith, but a genuine faith, living out that faith uh, of Christ. We looked at our words and how powerful our words can be to one another and the words that we say over our own lives and how powerful they are. And then we looked last of all at the idea of God being a jealous God, God wanting us, loving us and being jealous um, of us in a really positive way. So we come to the end in James chapter 5 this morning. And James is writing at about the time of 50 AD, after the death of Christ. And um, he's writing to those which we read about are scattered among the nations, scattered people among the nations. And he's urging them to be patient. He's urging them to persevere in their trial, in their time of difficulty. James is the half-brother of Jesus, the younger brother. And uh, he's someone that didn't always believe Jesus was who he said he was until the resurrection, until he sees Jesus rise from the dead. And there's a moment in 1 Corinthians. And I'm not sure whatever happened between the two of them, whatever happened in that meeting, certainly James becomes one of the prominent um, people when it comes to the early church and uh, a leading figure. The influence, the impression of Jesus is stamped onto James's life. And I want us to look at this today and see how he encourages the people then, but how that is an encouragement to us today as well, where we are. You know, at times you might feel like you're just hanging on in there, that you're just clinging on, yeah? By your fingertips there. And I think James has a message to help us to say that actually we can do it. We can do this life. We can get through this circumstance. We can hold fast. We can make a difference in people's lives. We can display the love of Jesus to others. So what is James saying to the people? What is he saying to us today? What's the Spirit of God saying to us? So if you've got your Bibles, please turn to James 5. But um, I'll put it up on the screen as well. Okay, so first of all I want to just say that we can absolutely do this life. We can, okay? We can absolutely do this life. Did I press something? I might have done. Ah, Tim, can you sort it out for me? (laughs) I don't know what I did. There you go. Brilliant. Lovely. Thanks. Okay, so we can absolutely do this life. Why? Because justice will prevail. Now, we live in a world that is unjust, okay? You flick on the news, you see the stuff happening, it just breaks your heart. The evil that is going on in our world. It's just horrific stories. You open a newspaper, you see it, your heart weeps. People, broken lives, different things happening. It's a difficult world, it's an unjust world, but it always has been that way. Even back here, as James is writing, it is an unjust world. There is evil and it is, you know, there's bad stuff happening. It's the same similar situation that James is writing to then that is today. It's the same thing. So let's have a look at James 5, 1 to 6, first of all. It says this, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. 
You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of the labourers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. It's a thing when you're doing a series, isn't it? You've just got to go <laughs> with whatever you're presented with. We've got to look at that and we go, crikey, what's going on there? Well, let's have a little look. So, you can absolutely do this life. Justice will prevail. What's going on in this passage? Well, misery's coming. That's what James is writing about. He's saying misery is coming. Um, all will face justice. There will be a time when everybody has to face justice and be accountable for the things that they have done. And the people hearing James um, speak this or write this would have been pleased to hear that. They would have been pleased to hear that actually justice will come for them because they're being persecuted. And it's comforting for them to know that actually something good will happen. Justice will come about in this situation, even though you know, they are being um, dealt with so unfairly at this time. And James is following a particular style of writing that the Jewish culture would teach. It's a kind of, now listen, or come now. It says, come now. And it could make us think that James is speaking to the rich people that he's warning. Um, But he isn't. It's nothing to do with them being rich. It's to do with them treating people unfairly. But James isn't necessarily speaking to them at this point. He's using a rhetorical device that the Old Testament prophets would use. This wasn't James saying um, in a way of calling the people to repentance. Rather, it's an encouragement to the people of God in their time of trial and in their time of persecution. He's sort of saying to them, look, justice is going to come. Don't you look at those people that are persecuting you and mistreating you and think, oh, you know, um, they've got a great life. Look at all they've got. I want to be like that. No, justice will come for them. And it's an encouragement to God's people here. And James doesn't pull any punches, does he, in what he said, um, which just gives us an understanding of the pain that is being caused to God's people. He's saying, look, misery is upon you. Already what you have is wasting away. Your wealth is rotting. What you counted on, you're losing. Your clothes are being eaten by moss. Your gold and silver are corroding. James is giving this imagery that what the people who were treating God's people unfairly thought was going to be powerful and good and, you know, the gold, the riches. Actually, no, they're wasting away. They're going to, they're going to fade. Your flesh is eaten. Meaning that not only their possessions, but they too themselves will be destroyed. So James is saying, look to God's people, look, it's going to be okay. Yes, you're being treated in this way, but justice will come. And so misery is coming. Why? Let's have a look at what's been happening, okay? So these people, they've hoarded their wealth, living in luxurious self-indulgence. Verse 5. Like I said, it's not the wealth that's the problem, okay? Before we all say we should give, we should have nothing. That's not the difficulty. That's not the problem. These people weren't using their wealth for good. They weren't using it for God. They were mistreating God's people. They um, were treating them unfairly and awfully. And that was 
the issue here. So they've hoarded their wealth, they're living luxurious self-indulgence. They've mistreated people. They've become fat off other people's efforts, treating people poorly. They've overworked them and they've underpaid them. They've defrauded those who were working for them. This is the situation that God's people are in. And it says this, that they've murdered the innocent. I think maybe it means this, that in the Jewish world, if you deprived a person of what was um, their due, what their pay was, whatever it was, it was kind of seen as equal to killing them. So maybe that's what it means here with the murder um, reference. It's probably something more to do with the farmers were ending up in prison because what was happening is they couldn't pay perhaps the land, the, the rent for the land because um, actually the wealthy landowners, uh, you know, they were defrauding them and not paying them right so then they couldn't pay them and then they ended up in prison because of it. That's what was going on. It's a similar situation to sometimes where we see around the world today. That awful situation where you've got, you know, pe- um, people maybe in India, Pakistan, they're, they're brick factory workers and what's happened is their relatives took out a really small loan um, but now g- the generation's gone, they, the loan in- interest just gets bigger and bigger, they can't pay it back and they're caught in this cycle and they have to work and work and work and, you know, it just means they're never free. I think it was a similar situation to that that they weren't getting paid the right wage and then they couldn't afford to pay for the land, etc., etc. And so these people, James is writing to God's people to try and encourage them and say, look, okay, this is the situation, but don't worry, justice will come. God will prevail. God will have the victory in this situation. God's heard the cry of his people. The Lord Almighty, that is where the power lies. Not with those who abuse, not with those who mistreat, not with those who lie or hurt or steal or rob or destroy, but with God. The ultimate power, the ultimate victory lies with God. He's the Almighty One. And there's this beautiful picture here that James is saying, look, the Lord Almighty has heard your cry. He's heard your cry. And justice will come. And I think the Spirit of God would say to us this morning that whatever situation we might be in, God has heard our cry. Justice will come. God sees. God hears. God knows. And although it might seem hopeless, just like it did to the people back then, God is over it. God is ultimately powerful ultimately has the victory. He hears the cry of those who are abused. He hears the cry of those suffering under regimes that are horrible. He hears those who are struggling with finances. He hears the cry of those who are trafficked across the world. He hears the cry of those suffering. And he hears your cry too. Whatever it is, that you are in or that you are going through or whatever you see in your life right now, God hears your cry too. And I love that encouragement, that picture, that justice will come. We have a God who knows what it is to suffer. He didn't want a world of suffering, so he meets us in the suffering and doesn't abandon us and doesn't leave us on our own. We can do this life. We can absolutely do this life. 
because eventually justice will prevail. He says in the Bible, doesn't it, that justice will shine through like the noonday sun. It will come. And then we move on a little bit more in, through chapter 5 in James and it talks about facing our suffering with patience. So let's have a look in verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. So what should we do? (laughs) What should we do when things go wrong? What should we do when we're being hard done to? What action should we take? Well, James addresses the situation and he says, be patient. Be patient. Just like a farmer. See how the farmer waits. A farmer doesn't give up on his crop just because he can't see the crop. It doesn't come up immediately, but he waits for the crop. And he continues to work. The waiting and need for endurance that we have in the Christian life is a little bit like this picture of the farmer. What does the farmer wait for? He waits with a reasonable hope an expectation of reward. He waits a long time. He waits, but he's working all the while. He waits depending on things out he waits depending on things out of his own power with his eyes on the heavens. He waits despite changing circumstances and despite uncertainties. He waits, encouraged by the value of the harvest. He waits encouraged by the work and the harvest of others. He waits because he really has no other option but to wait. He waits because it's no good to give up. He waits, aware of how the seasons work. He waits because as time goes on, it becomes more important and not less to do so. It's not an easy thing, this thing we call patience, is it? Who has time for patience? Today we live in a world, don't we, which is full on everything's fast, everything's at speed Um, you know, we've lost the art of waiting maybe it hasn't always been like that though has it? We used to be able to wait a lot better, well I think we did anyway I think I used to be able to wait a lot better I got frustrated today just waiting for my shopping to go through the till Um, because if you're like me when you pack your shopping bags, you like to do it a certain way, don't you? You have to put certain things in first, da, 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 because otherwise. 
and um, so the person serving was putting all the wrong things through and I had to wait and I, I really wanted to say could you just put those through so I could put them in the bag first <laughs> and I thought that's a bit much I won't do that but waiting it's difficult does anyone recognise oh sorry does anyone recognise this not this where am I oh no where am I going <laughs> Just bear with. Your way. Yeah, it's a test. Oh, I don't know where that's gone. I've lost the picture. Okay, don't worry. I don't know what happened there. It's fallen out of my PowerPoint. Okay, that, yeah, you you can just wait. Wait for me. Um, I had a little picture of a girl on the screen with a chalkboard. Okay, it was like a black and white with a little bit of colour. Does anyone remember that picture? Yes, you do. Okay, good. All right, so that was the picture I was going to put up because that picture, now, if you're younger than me, okay, you, might, you guys might not remember this at all um, because you'll be thinking, no, I don't have a clue. But for me, I remember that picture really, really clearly of the girl on the screen um, because every Saturday morning I would come downstairs, I would flick on the TV and there was a picture of a girl with a chalkboard and you used to have to wait until the cartoons came up, yeah? Do you remember that? <coughs> remember those days when you couldn't just put on the TV and anything would come up? It wasn't like all like, you know, on demand, watch on demand or whatever it is. It wasn't like that. Um, so I would sit there as a kid for like half an hour watching the girl with the chalkboard for the cartoons. It was sad, really. It was sad. I remember the day when you used to sit down and you wrote a letter anybody still write letters? Oh, some people do still write letters. Good, excellent. I went to my mum's yesterday and she said, I've got to write a letter to, um, to your great aunt. And I was like, oh, I've forgotten how to write letters to people. Because it's all so quick and easy now with messages and emails and stuff. I remember at university though, that's what I used to do, write letters. And letters used to come to me. We didn't have email back then. <laughs> well, it was just coming about. But it was letters. Today I find myself getting frustrated. I can't even wait long enough sometimes for the red man to turn green. You know, do you ever press the button again just thinking, oh, I don't think this is working? It is, it's just, it's just impatient. Patience is hard. Anyway, just in day-to-day -day life. But patience when you're suffering, patience when you're going through difficulty, that type of patience, that difficult and James is trying to write to these people to say look be patient just wait wait to see the Lord's justice come through just wait and whilst you wait he says this don't grumble in verse 9 be patient like the farmer continue to live your best life as a Christian but don't don't grumble don't take your worries out on other people and James points to the other prophets we could think perhaps of Isaiah in chapter 40 where he tells us to wait on the Lord. For those who wait on the Lord, meaning those who expect, those who look to God, who hope in him, they will gain new strength. They will renew their power. He will lift up their wings, meaning we'll rise closer to God like eagles. We'll be closer to God. We will run and not grow weary, walk and not grow tired asking us to be encouraged by the prophets of old 
And while we wait on God, not to become anxious, not to become frustrated at the place where we're at, not to become upset, not to try and make things happen in our own strength, but to, to wait patiently for God to move and to work. It's easy, to, it's easy in the waiting to find ourselves having a bit of a grumble at times. It's quite therapeutic sometimes, isn't it? Have a little bit of a grumble, a little bit of a moan. And sometimes when we're in the waiting, it can very much feel like the nowhere place. It feels like we're in a place kind of, of waiting and, it, and it's nowhere. It, it's kind of just a nowhere place. But I heard something this week that I thought was really interesting. And the person said that when we feel like we're in a nowhere place, we need to look at that word differently, read it differently. And instead of reading nowhere, read it as now here. We're in a now here place, not a nowhere place. Okay, it's a place of waiting. And it might be a place of waiting and with suffering and being patient. But actually, we can read it as the now here in this moment. This is the moment we have. This is the moment that we're in right now. And actually, we can see God in the right now. It's the now moment in verse 8 that says we can establish our hearts. And James says, don't give up, folks. Don't give up. In verse 11, but remain steadfast. You've heard about the steadfastness of Job. Take your encouragement from Job and how he responded and how he acted. They would have known the story. James says that, as you know. Job lost everything. He'd lost his friends. He'd lost his family. But he didn't give up. He persevered. He kept on going. And he never cursed God for his suffering. They knew the end of that story. They knew that God brought Job through and blessed Job at the end. And he was saying to them, just remember, Job, stay steadfast. Don't give up. You're never going to know what you might miss, miss if you give up now. Don't give up. It's always too soon to give up. And then James says, don't exaggerate your speech. Don't grumble. Don't give up. Don't exaggerate your speech. These early believers were making all sorts of oaths or saying all sorts of things, all sorts of promises as they went through these hardships. Um, it's easy to do that, isn't it, when you're going through difficulty, struggle, you know, to say, oh, well, I'll, you know, God, I'll just, I'll, I'll do this. <laughs> I'll pray every day for five hours if you just get me through this. <laughs> as if, eh? But it's kind of like, don't, don't say the wrong thing, James is saying. Don't exaggerate your speech. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do it, he's saying to the people. Let's not be rash with our mouths, maybe even with exaggeration or half-truths. We don't need to use God's name to back up what we're saying. We don't kind of have to cross our fingers, which I think is probably the best picture of what James is saying to these people. Okay, we live perhaps in an unjust world and it's difficult but we can absolutely do this life because justice will prevail and when we are suffering we can face our suffering with patience and know and have a confidence that God will come through for us justice will happen and finally let's have a little look at the last bit of this chapter the prayer of faith we can absolutely do this life because we can face each other and we can pray. Verse 13, the prayer of faith. 
Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It's all about prayer, isn't it, really? In every situation, pray. In every situation. There's one constant among us all as Christians across the globe. There's one constant thing that we do is we pray. We are in a relationship with God which demands us to have that conversation. There's absolutely no time in our life when we shouldn't pray. It's always a good time to be talking to God. Always. Whatever we're doing, wherever we are, it's always good. Maybe not out loud all the time, because that might not be the appropriate thing. But within our spirit, we can always be talking to God. Whether we're happy, whether we're sad, whether we've got stuff sorted or we haven't, we can bring it to God in prayer. We have a personal God, a relational God. A God who wants to be with us, who wants to hear from us, who wants to speak into our lives. Prayer is not just about presenting requests, is it? It's a conversation with God and it helps to strengthen us and it helps us to do this life. I hope none of us think that prayer is about locking ourselves away for hours on end and shutting our eyes. And It's not like that. Prayer is a conversation all the time, wherever we are. Willard said this, great theologian, spiritual people are not those who engage in certain spiritual practices. They are those who draw their life from a conversational relationship with God. That's where we get our strength. And James is saying to the people, encouraging them to to pray with one another, to continue speaking with God, to encourage themselves in their time of difficulty and in their time of suffering. Yes, justice will prevail, ultimately. But we need one another to pray with one another and we need God our Father so he would strengthen us. And James is saying, pray. In every situation, we have a part to play. In verse 16 to 19, it's prayer. It changes things. And James takes the people back to the Old Testament. He takes them back to the prophet Elijah. But he keeps our feet on the ground because he's reminding us that Elijah was just like we are. Now, when you read that, I don't know about you, but I think, well, I I am nothing like Elijah. (laughs) Like, Elijah was this great man of God and he did amazing, miraculous things and he did all this. And I am not like that. But James isn't comparing us in that way. What's James saying? James is saying, not speaking of the miracles, he's speaking of his prayer life. He's talking about Elijah's prayer life. And the example James uses He's saying it's, it's like us. He is a believer. He, he was speaking to God and we can do the same thing. We have that power of prayer in our lives too. And he's saying, look at what Elijah did. 
and he prayed for the rain and then it rained and, and we can be the same. The prayer of a righteous man has great power. Finally, we can trust the community of believers and pray. I wonder how you would feel if I said to you, why don't you turn to the person next to you and just tell them about your sin? <laughs> Let's have a confession time. I'm not going to ask you to do that, don't worry. <laughs> okay. But can you imagine if I did and I said that, we'd squirm a little, wouldn't we? We'd be like, oh. Yeah, we'd try and find the smallest, minutest sin to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I've got a real problem with that thing. <laughs> but you know what? We are a community of believers. And we need each other. We do. And actually, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same situation. We always think the person sitting next to us is a hundred times better than we are, but that's not the case. And we need this community so that we can be accountable to one another. And I think James is saying to them that you need the community, a community of believers, to pray with one another and be accountable to one another and share with one another. Because that's what church is about that's what we're trying to create here amongst ourselves that sense of community that sense of accountability that sense of being able to share with one another and pray with one another building relationships creating safe places building accountability so that we should be able to walk with others and be honest with other people not fearing that we're going to be judged not fearing that we're going to be rejected in any way but knowing that we can be prayed for knowing that we can be restored by one another I wonder whether we can be trusted as the person if someone shares something with us will we help to restore them in prayer trust the community of believers and pray we can absolutely do this life sometimes it seems difficult and yes we do live in a difficult world at times and we do have difficult situations and circumstances that we're in at times but we can do it I said at the very outset of when we started looking at James which was weeks ago now and I don't expect you to remember that it was ages ago but I said you know as islanders living here in Guernsey we get what it's like to be at sea we kind of get the sea because it's so unpredictable. One moment it's completely flat, it's completely calm, it's completely beautiful and still. And the next it's fierce and it's roaring and it's stormy. And life's a little bit like that. Life's a little bit like that, isn't it? One minute it's beautiful and it's calm and it's still. And the next minute something happens and it's stormy and things are raging. And we can get knocked out of the boat by the winds and the waves. Even sometimes we can capsize completely it can be tough and life can be difficult and it has its challenges it has its challenges to us personally and to our discipleship and to our witness to others as well as I close this chapter today I want to remind us all not just this chapter but this book this letter that although we might have the knocks of life although we might be going through difficult stuff there might be circumstances and situations. We can keep going. We can stay strong. We can do this life. Because the world might be unjust and unfair. 
but justice will prevail. Because God is a God of justice. God is a God of justice and he'll make things right. We can do it because actually when we're faced with suffering, God can give us his grace to be patient in that time. And finally, as James said, we can pray. We can face one another. We can come alongside one another and pray through the circumstances. And that's what James was saying to the people. I'm going to invite the worship group to come back for a moment, whoever is the worship group is left here. <laughs> and um, I want us to think as, as we close this letter of James, we've looked at a lot of different things. There's seven different messages that have been preached on James. We've learned a lot just from this one small letter. But let's think for a moment of what James was saying to the people then and how, it resp- how we can respond today. These people scattered among the nations, God's people, they're in trial, they're in difficulty, but James has come to them to encourage them and say, don't worry, don't give up. It's okay. Justice will come. God sees the situation you're in. God hears your cry. God hears you. Let's stand together. Father God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for this letter from James to the people back then. And although it was written all those years ago, Lord, it's so relevant for us now too because we hear your spirit speaking through it to us today, to our situation, which isn't actually all that dissimilar at times to their situation back then. And Lord, I pray that people here today would know that actually even if it looks hopeless and even if the situation they're in right now is unfair, It's not right. It's unjust. But God, I pray that they would know that justice will come and that you hear them. You hear the cry of the righteous and you will make things good and you will make things right. God, I know it's difficult at times to be patient in that time and you know that. You know it's difficult for us to be patient, but Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be patient, to not give up, to not grumble, but instead to look to you, the one who is our strength, the one who is our help, the one who is by our side, the one who lifts us up on wings like eagles. And God, I pray as we go through these circumstances, that we would remember the most important thing is that we have you and we need to talk to you. We need to have that conversation with you. Not just every now and again, but all the time, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, to be giving things over to you, to be speaking to you, to be listening to you so that we might be encouraged, inspired, changed, strengthened, in our resolve as well, Lord. So I pray for each person here today. I don't know everything about everybody's life, but Lord, you do. And I ask, Lord God, that that you would bring justice into each person's situation. Thank you, Jesus.
for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.